Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime, except for this week. Yes, we've changed it up a bit this week. And instead of talking about cases, we are going to kind of go through the more controversial laws or discussions that do associate with our crime stuff. But so we're going to talk about things like the death penalty, the marijuana laws, the gun laws, the things that are very controversial, especially right now with all of the politics that are going on and stuff like that. Um, We're also going to get into some mental health talk and some education issues that also will relate to crime issues and stuff like that. So I'm pretty excited about today. But with that being said, I also want to preface this with saying that all of these are opinions. <laughs> That's right. And while we have some like statistics and some factual things in there, they are our opinions. And we're and- not experts. We're not pretending to be experts. We've talked about these things and addressed them on previous episodes, but yeah. just wanted to get into them a little more deeply and then also hopefully get our listeners to open up a discussion. Yeah. And so if you do want to talk with us or with anybody else about these things, we do have our discussion board, which does have a couple of rules, which will go into play with this, (laughs) including that everyone does have an opinion and they are entitled to that opinion. And we don't want anybody dragging other people or tearing other people down for their opinion. Just be respectful Play nice. Yeah, that's all. (laughs) Ask yourself, what would Mr. Rogers do? Be the person (laughs) Mr. Rogers knows you can be, even when you're discussing these kinds of issues that really never made their way into the neighborhood, but they were there. (laughs) They were. They were always In some neighborhood. Where do you want to start? Um, Well, like I said, you're kind of our program director, and so I want you to kind of open up and we'll go from there, because... Yeah. We'll just start with the marijuana laws just because that's what my paper is open on. <laughs> okay. So. And I, we know from previous discussions how passionate you are about this issue. It just bugs me so much that there are people who are getting more, they're getting yes. in more trouble over having a little bit of weed versus like rape. Right. Or anything that's far more violent or anything like that. It mm-hmm. drives me Nuts. Well, it drives me nuts too. And, you know, the good thing is I've seen a lot of posts about this where people are making those comparisons and the discussion is out there. Um, I do think it's very interesting now that we have states that are legalizing marijuana, but we sell people in those states who are serving 20, 30 year sentences. Yeah. It is around, you know, yeah. And I, I just wonder how we're going to deal with this, you know, as a country. Yeah. And I mean, when there was, it was a couple of months ago when states were starting to individually vote on whether they were going to pass medical marijuana or recreational. And I had seen, I don't know if you saw this, the governor of Utah decided that it was about time to vote, but he didn't think it was fair for people to be voting on something, especially him to be voting on something that he didn't know anything about and that he had never experienced. So he took a little trip down to Nevada and went and had an edible just to kind of get get a feel for it and see wow. like how bad it really is. Well, and, and we're in a weird position here because we're basically surrounded now 
except probably, well, Montana. except for Montana and Wyoming, because Utah did pass medical, medical marijuana, yep. and Idaho still has some of the most stringent, where even hemp, like we just had a big issue here because hemp, President Trump made it legal throughout the country. But it's still illegal in Idaho. In Idaho. So you have a federal state law issue there. And we had a a truck driver who was moving a huge load of industrial hemp through the state. And he was detained and they confiscated his load. Mm -hmm. And then it turned around now that company is going to sue the state of Idaho so this is going to, yeah, Idaho's going to have to somehow start dealing and with this issue. Well, and I don't know, for any of you who aren't aware, and I mean, this is not any, I don't have this like written down, and it's not fact checked or anything, <laughs> but the difference between hemp and marijuana is the level of THC right. in it. So hemp has like, if I remember correctly, it's like 0.03% THC in it's it. It's very, very small. Which is nothing near no. close to getting anybody high. No, well, so. and, and that's not what hemp is used yeah, for anyway. No. Hemp is used to make uh, fabric and paper and things like that. And it's an excellent resource it for It is. It's things. in a lot of lotions mm -hmm. and oils, yeah, the oils and stuff. Yeah. But I don't understand how... We've got something like alcohol, which don't get me wrong, I drink I, I drink my own alcohol. I got it. And you know what I mean? I get it. But we have more than eighty-eight thousand people a year dying from alcohol related causes. Right. There has not been a single person who's ever overdosed on weed. Right. Although like in the world. No, no. Although to be fair, there has been a strong uptick, particularly in Colorado. I was reading an article that they've had a lot more ER visits, that there's a syndrome associated where people start vomiting and they can't stop. And I can't, I'll have to, I'll do some research and, and look that up. But again, but it's not lethal. And, you know, my opinion is, as you know, I'm not much of a drinker. I'll yeah. have a glass of wine with dinner once in a while or, you know, that, and that's about it. I'm just, I've never been a big drinker, um, not a pot smoker, but I've always felt like, I have to say, I mean, my whole life, I've always thought it should be legal because when you research why it became illegal in the first place and, you know, a lot of the issues that you're bringing up, you know, and that's probably one of the most common things that people do is they like to do a side-by-side -side comparison of the health issues associated with alcohol versus pot versus, and then sometimes, of course, cigarettes, which is yeah. another, you know, huge thing too and you know and I, again I, I think that's a very viable sort of comparison that should be made why, yeah. why are you going to legalize these two substances and then say this one's illegal yeah um, you know but but my feeling about it is you you know grown-ups are grown-ups and you're allowed to make decisions and you know and of course, we always want people to be responsible in what they do and how they use things. I'm always against kids, you know, yeah. using, but I'm also against kids vaping. I'm against kids drinking, you know, um, because it does have physical and mental changes for kids that it doesn't have for adults. But I just, I don't understand that, that we live in 2019 and people are still having so much dis and misinformation about this. And it's really, really a frustrating issue. Yeah. 
because, and I did, I did do some research on like an overdosing amount mm -hmm. of marijuana, which first of all, like I said, there's not a single case of it in the world mm -hmm. of somebody overdosing on marijuana. Not a single one. Now to overdose on marijuana, it is technically possible, but you would have to smoke or consume 1500 pounds of marijuana in 15 <laughs> minutes. That is ridiculous. In 15 minutes. Wow. And there were a couple of studies that I did read that said if somehow, some way, you were able to smoke that amount, which would equal out to about 40,000 joints if you <laughs> measured it out nicely, in the 15 minutes and you did die, uh huh. most likely your cause of death would be from carbon monoxide poisoning. All right, so here's the thing I was talking about. Sorry, I'm no, moving back. I was looking things up while you were talking too. So the mayor, it seems that the ER visits in Colorado that have spiked, a lot of them seem to be um, more often associated with edibles, okay. which, as we know, are much more potent. It's much easier for people to really Just keep eating, keep eating. eating those. Yeah. And so, so there, there has been an uptick. But again, you know, I, I don't... By bringing that up, I just want to be fair. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I don't want to demonize this because look at the number of people who go to the ER and even more people who don't go to the ER for alcohol poisoning. Yeah. I mean, every time you throw up from drinking, mm -hmm. that's alcohol poisoning. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah. You know, it's it's on a continuum, obviously. But if you drink enough that you're puking, your body only pukes things out that are bad for you. That is your body trying to purge itself of something that it is reading as a poison. You have given yourself alcohol poisoning. Yeah. And I don't think that we talk about that enough. And again, you know, the other problem with this is whenever we do talk about these issues, you know, America has never broken free from the Puritans. You know, there's, there's this strong shadow of puritanical guilt, very black and white thinking that we tend to have in this country that you don't find in some other places. Um, and this idea that it's an all or nothing. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, you know, either alcohol is all evil or it's all good or same with pot. So we don't discuss there's limits here yes. and there's ways to use these things responsibly and there's ways to really mess yourself up. Yeah. And I think that going back to the whole edible thing mm -hmm. and why people are going to the ER so much for that is there is a big difference between smoking your weed and eating your weed. Right. Because when you smoke it, it goes basically straight into the bloodstream mm -hmm. and it's almost an instant high. When you're eating it, it takes a lot longer to get there. It takes about 30 minutes to an hour or so. So these people who are probably not used to it or don't understand how it works, they like have a little piece of candy and they're sitting there and they're like, I feel like I should be high and then they're not. And so they just keep eating it, not realizing it just takes time. You just got to like, calm down for a minute yeah. and let it work. And then they've eaten so much at this point that it's probably not only the marijuana in their system, it's also whatever they were eating. They ate right. so much of mm -hmm. it that their stomach's like, this is just too much. Right, once it does finally get digested and hit mm -hmm. the bloodstream, now they are 
having way too much. Yeah, but that's another. Th- that's one of the things with marijuana is that like, unlike other drugs such as opioids mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that impairs certain parts of their body that make them overdose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Marijuana doesn't mess with any vital functions. Right. So it's not going to impair your breathing or anything like that. And I also, speaking of opioids. Oh, which, by the way, I just read overdose deaths, primarily from opioids in this country, are now the number one cause of death amongst adults. It has overtaken automobile accidents. And the fact that we are not talking about this and we are not doing something about it is just traumatizing to me. So in 2017, 72,000 people died from an overdose. And of that 72,000, 58,443 were opioid related. Wow. Most of them were fentanyl and synthetic opioids. Which fentanyl, I know too, has just gone off the charts Mm -hmm. over the last year, both in use and... Benzos and stuff mm -hmm. like that and... And, you know, and, and, you know, as we know, that's all on the pharmaceutical industry. There have been talks of suing, I can't remember the family's name that's behind OxyContin, but they were the manufacturers of this and they were the ones who really pushed doctors to write scripts. And I mean, I have to say over, you know, I would about, I don't know, maybe three to six years ago, I, I had a string of surgeries and they were all fairly minor, but uh, most of them were outpatient sort of procedures. Every single one of them, they wrote me an oxycodone prescription. And I told them, I said, I'm not going to fill this. I don't need this. I take Tylenol or not Tylenol. I take, you know, ibuprofen and I'm fine. That's all I'm going to take. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they were very, uh, you know, like I said, just very free with it. And, uh, I'm, I, I'm just mortified by what we're having to deal with now because of that. And I think that's another thing is that, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat just got real weird. <laughs> but I think that's another thing is I feel like there are certain things in our criminal justice system system that should be looked at and paid attention more than other things that are doing right. a lot less harm or no harm. Well, and again, we're looking at, you know, the path to legalization for drugs and what we consider illegal versus an illegal drug, the way that things are used. You know, the, the truth is pot has a lot of excellent therapeutic uses for people. Mm-hmm. There have been studies, lots of, there's lots of information out there that it could be used in place of many of you know big pharma as people like to call it which I'm again not totally opposed to um, <clears throat> but and again so you have this pushback from an industry to keep this kind of underground you know and, and not that I'm a huge conspiracy theorist I don't I don't want to go there but but I mean the fact that you have corporations that have a lot of money they have you know a lot of ties politically and they are also not wanting to see their profits go down. Yeah. And I don't and I didn't write any of this information down, but I did did look into a lot of especially from like Oregon and Washington and Colorado mostly cuz they're surrounding us and they're right. three of the bigger states that do have legal like, legal recreational marijuana is the amount of money coming into the state because of it. Right. They are making so much money. 
But that it's going to go back into taxes and it's going to go back into the state. And yet there's also this weird thing right now, too, that this money, all this money that's being created is kind of in limbo because a lot of banks, you can't put your money that you make from this business into banks because the federal law still says it's illegal. And so we have all of these weird little gaps and spaces in, in the business. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I would love to see all of that money just flowing into state coffers, you know, and helping to offset and some like, of our, you know, where we're, we're, we don't have enough money for things. Yeah. And, um, you know, and some also, I'm also a proponent of setting a certain amount aside for education. This is how you use it and, and helping people with that. Because like you said, marijuana is not necessarily, you know, it's not something you get addicted to in the way that you get addicted to opioids. But I am, I have to say, I am a believer in, I don't, I, I guess it's called mental addiction. Do you know well, what I mean? Well, you can be addicted to anything. Oh, exactly. That's, I'm not, I'm not saying it's yeah, no, no, any no, no, different no. than anything else. Um, but again, we don't talk enough about addiction in this country either. It's and like a coffee addiction. Yeah. <laughs> My friend who went to barista three times yesterday. <clears throat> uh-uh. I don't know. First oh. of all, I had barista three times yesterday. Oh, okay. Didn't mean I went there three times. <laughs> that just means somebody else brought me some. <laughs> You've got someone pushing, huh? Yep. Feeding you, feeding your addiction. Yep. She's an enabler. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah. And so I... I want to see, I guess, you know, that, that multi-pronged approach. I want to see the decriminalization. I want to see using the money in good, productive ways. And I do want to see a lot better, I guess, help with addiction in this country as well. Yeah, I because just... Because we suck at it. And uh, all of you should get on YouTube and... Look for John Oliver on, uh, what is it, last week tonight on HBO, did a brilliant piece about how unregulated addiction treatment centers are in this country. And it is appalling. Yeah. I mean, basically anybody can open one and just be like, hey, I'll, I'll cure you. And it's it's terrifying. Yeah. You know, and like I said, you know, I, I'm a teacher. I work at the high school. And I have to say... There is a huge uptick in the number of kids getting high, coming to school high, um, and it, it's it's horrible to see. And and a lot of those kids are using it in an addictive, very unhealthy way. And you know they're the children and grandchildren of people with very serious addiction issues yeah. of various kinds. And so that part is is troubling to me. Yeah, you know, and but. I think that. I was, I did, I've had a discussion kind of recently with someone I'm close to who isn't completely against marijuana being legalized, but who also has a lot of questions, I guess. And I know one of her biggest things was that there are a lot of issues with synthetic marijuana. Right. Which is something like... But that's a total... But see, that's a totally different thing. That's or, not even really... I mean, it's called... But it's... Any any of those man-made ones. Meth. You know, the, the spice, spice, bath salts, that whole category. Those are all super dangerous, mess you up, 
will alter you physically and mentally after one use. Sometimes, I mean, those are the scary, this is, <laughs> this is the stuff that dare needs to yeah. be talking about a lot more because those are terrifying drugs. Or laced marijuana was yes. a big one. Right. Now, my whole thing with the laced marijuana, with that being, with her saying that, it kind of like threw me into this, th- this thought where that would make it better. if not, be, not it being laced, but it being legalized is going oh, to yeah. make it less likely for things to be laced because then it's going to be more regulated mm-hmm. and you're not going to have this, the thought of going home and having to like wonder like right I wonder if I'm gonna die today (laughs) you know what I mean right well I mean can you imagine that you go and you you purchase some at a store and it tells you exactly the amount of THC in it you know if all of that stuff were standardized and you had labeling the way that we require labeling on you know everything else alcohol has to tell you what percentage of alcohol it is and you know that kind of stuff to me yeah that would be much more beneficial and again you have to have informed consumers yes and if you legalize it you take away the stigma you make that stuff much easier mm-hmm. so it just it's it's bonkers to me that it's still so it still seems to some people so taboo right that well and people still believe like the the myth that it's a gateway drug that you know if you start on this you're just gonna go which is so strange because people don't say that about alcohol and right. alcohol is just as much a drug. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you on this. There's a lot there to, to pick apart. And hopefully, things will move in a better direction. Now, another, that we're going to use this as a little segue into our next <laughs> thoughts, which we've also talked about before. Mm-hmm. Something else that we both agree on being, we think it should be mm-hmm. legalized. Mm-hmm. Or at least decriminalized. Right. Prostitution. Yes. Well, and so we grouped this these first three. three topics that we're talking about today. I, you know, Kayla and I were discussing this, and I said, I feel like these three fall under kind of a libertarian sort of umbrella. It's that idea of, you know, and I'm by no means a libertarian, but um, it is this idea of what do you just kind of allow sane, reasonable adults to decide for themselves, you know, you want, I I believe, like I said, I like, you know, you're going to have some government interference, quote unquote, if you're going to talk about standardization, proper labeling, you know, those sorts of things, making sure it's not laced and so on. And with prostitution, we talked about, you would definitely want to have, again, you need some oversight to make sure that things are done properly and safely and sanely. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there, I'm, I don't, I don't believe in tying the hands of sane adults too much. Well, and I've said it before the last time we talked about legalizing prostitution and I will say it again and I will say it every time somebody talks to me about it. Prostitution is just a less glorified porn star. I, and I, when you brought that up, on our previous episode, that was such a revelation to me to think of it that way. Because they do the exact Mm -hmm. same thing. They are both having sex with people for money. The only difference is porn stars do it for quote-unquote entertainment, so it's legal because they are being filmed doing it. Right, and you have all the participants 
our quote our employees are being paid does that make yeah. sense whereas in prostitution you you literally have one person purchasing the act from another so there there's a little difference there too but generally what you're saying like i said is i i totally agree it just it doesn't make sense to me especially because i think legalizing it is there are so many violent crimes towards prostitutes so many and it goes back way it goes back a long time right and all of these violent crimes i think green river killer i believe was one of them who targeted specifically nearly every serial killer if they don't specifically target sex workers primarily at least a large number of their victims usually are sex workers mm -hmm. again because as we we talked about with my Alaska case yep. you know they had gone to the police they had said look this dude is scary and terrifying and a danger and they were basically laughed off or yeah. ignored because again they were all sex workers so what did they know and a lot a lot of them are scared Mm -hmm. To go to the police because of whatever ramifications are going to happen to them because of their what they do. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. They need to be able to do what they do in a safe environment like porn stars do. They get a very safe environment. They have, they get tested. Everyone gets tested, which I know that would be another issue with prostitution is the people who are paying and you know what I mean? We know that the prostitutes would be tested tested but having the johns we'll mm -hmm. call them tested and i mean i'm sure it wouldn't be that big of a deal but it's some sort of system to keep these people safer i agree and again it is not ever a profession i would want anyone that i love to be involved in i mean again i'm not this is just again my personal opinion um but we know there's a reason it's called the world's oldest profession. I mean, this is something that has been a part of humanity. It seems about as long as there's been humans. And so we need to find a better way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that really irks me when prostitution is brought up is the people who say that they live a high-risk lifestyle, what else do they expect? That makes, that drives me nuts mm -hmm. because almost anything anybody does nowadays is a high-risk lifestyle. I go out to the bar, walk home by myself. Granted, I almost <laughs> got kidnapped once. Not the point. That's a high-risk high lifestyle. That doesn't mean I deserve anything bad that's going to happen to me. You know what I mean? Like, just because they are doing something that everyone knows is high risk doesn't mean they deserve well, any of the problems or yeah. things like that that are going to happen. And, again, to be fair, I mean, people don't say this about people who are mountain climbers. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of things out there that are, as you said, high risk lifestyles. And when tragedy happens, we don't say, oh, well, they deserved it. They had it coming. We understand there was a heightened risk. But... This this punitive, this demeaning attitude that we have around sex work, again, is very puritanical. Um, and like I said, there are a lot of countries where it is legal and it is closely monitored. And you do still have this, you know, we can't deny that there is a very troublesome, problematical... Um, 
what do I want to say? Like, you know, it's a form of slavery, sexual slavery, that uh, people are kidnapped and held into. Uh, I wonder if it would be easier to put an end to that if you had legal sex work. Do you know what I'm saying? Just though, you know, it's kind of like how the bootleggers Mm -hmm. died out once we made alcohol legal again. Yeah. So. And I I think it would work because you've got, it's just, you would have it, you would have a system for it and it would keep people accountable. And it just, it, it's bonkers to me that. Like the like the marijuana, it's still so taboo, but like you've got most people, not everybody, I get it, not everybody, <laughs> but like most people are totally okay with porn, mm-hmm. but like God forbid somebody go ha- get paid to have sex with somebody else and it not be porn, God forbid that happen, because it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like it does. Mm. Well, and a lot of it again, I'm going to say is I think that we have a lot of very unhealthy attitudes around sex across the board. And, you know, yeah, we obviously, we know just from (laughs) statistics and the sheer numbers out there, how popular, for instance, pornography is, you know, and yet again, when people talk about it, they will assume this holier than thou, I'm better than they are, this looking down on other people. And, you know, and then, Outside of the realm of paid sex work, you know, I think we've, again, briefly touched on slut shaming and things like that, again, that, you know, we as a culture have not done the best job of developing and talking about sex in a healthy way. Yeah. I also think, I know we'll talk more about probably some of this stuff on Thursday's episode, but I think a lot of it has to do with sex education in schools being not being required. Right. Well, and it again, patriarchy's evil. Sorry, I'm always going to say that. And it, it's this it's these antiquated patriarchal ideas because it always always centers around controlling a woman's sexuality. And even in like strong religions uh, where they, you know, they tell both boys and girls to stay virgins until their wedding night. Still, the weight of ensuring that that happens always falls heavier on the girls with quote-unquote modesty and dressing in certain ways, things like that, that boys just don't get the same pressure or ideas about. Yeah. And again, it's like I said, it's it's very much about controlling women's sexuality, of, you know, that at one time it made sense, I guess, you know, if you were a guy and you wanted to make sure that the person inheriting your wealth was actually bound to you by DNA, um, to be like that. But now go on more Povich show. I mean, you can get home DNA kits anymore. Seriously, you can buy them and do them at home. So this idea is just insane. And again, I'd like to see some leaps forward and just being healthier about it, discussing it in healthier, more mature ways. I do think that sex education should be a required course to take in school for all kids because, well, again, you know, we just had a law in the Idaho legislature that was going to try to allow people to opt out of the little bit of sex ed that we do have in the schools. Yeah, I think... 
Well, and it's not only because sex education, which most of, I would hope most of our listeners understand, it's not just about like sexual intercourse. It's not this like dirty, raunchy thing that we're talking about. It is, a lot of it is biology and how people are. It's the fact that people don't even understand like the proper names for their body parts. I mean, I, there are kids at the high school who do not understand that a woman does not pee out of her vagina, that there are two separate places there. It's not understanding that there's a difference between a vulva and a vagina. And, you know, there's a, so much misinformation out there that's, it's disturbing. You it's should, scary. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say with my boys, both of them, you know, we use the proper name for body parts before they could even speak. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't give them cute little nicknames or anything like that. It's like, this is your penis. This is your elbow. You've got both of them. <laughs> um, now, as they got older, you know, then they became a little, mom, I don't want to hear you say that word. But, um, you know, you have to respect that too. You don't want to embarrass your children too much. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, yeah, we, we just need to get better. Yeah, it's definitely an education thing. And I really just think people need to stop being such type. Yeah. <laughs> they need to get the stick. Honestly, they just need to get their sticks out of their asses. Well, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in being very open about things, discussing things, destigmatizing things. And then you find your own comfort zone with that. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, if people want to wait till marriage, more power to them. But it should be coming from them. Yeah, I don't Not understand. some weird, you're going to burn in hell or you're a horrible person. Do you know what I'm saying? That's, yeah. that's what's so, I guess, disheartening for me. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I don't understand, especially with us talking about like prostitution, is I don't get why people care so much. Because you've got... Jane Doe in California who decides that she is going to sleep with this John and he's going to pay her. I'm over here in Idaho. Why do I care what Jane Doe in California (laughs) is doing? It is not hurting anybody and it is not affecting anybody but her and this John that she is sleeping with. Right. Like, why do people care so much? Like, enough for it to be illegal, which... With it being illegal then comes a lot of the crimes because if it were legal with a system to keep these women and men, I'm sure mm-hmm. there are male prostitutes. Oh, yeah. Um, to keep these people safe, these crimes would not happen as often as they do. There may be a couple here and there. Right. But if they do happen, one, these prostitutes will have the ability and hopefully the confidence to be able to go to the police and give them the information that they need. And two, the perpetrator will be caught very quickly because of the system that they have in place. Right. There won't be this stigma of I can't speak up because then I'll be in trouble and be arrested and all of the things that go along with that. Yeah. So. It just, it it's, it's insane to me. I'm a hundred percent a believer in that. So mm-hmm. like I said, I, I'm just, I like what you said about, how does it affect me what other people do? And I think that one of the things that I don't know why we are like this, but we are so invested in worrying about what other people do that, like you said, ultimately it really doesn't have any influence on us. 
and yet we are so shockingly <laughs> blind to the things that do in fact have a huge impact on yes. us. Uh, like what we talked about with Big Pharma and the way that they, you know, push prescriptions and, and the fact that, you know, they have such a incredibly strong presence in legislatures through lobbyists and things like that, you know, and we just ignore that. We pretend that doesn't exist. Yeah. And that is impacting people. So. Yeah, I just, it doesn't, I don't know. I'm, I can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> it just, it's weird. Now, we don't really have a good segue into this next topic, no. <laughs> but I do feel like this is probably going to be our most controversial. Probably. Because I know it's probably one of the most controversial topics in the United States right now, and it has been for the past couple of years. It's a topic that when I have students write uh, argumentative research papers, I don't let them do this topic because people are so incapable of talking about it in a logical and unbiased way. Yeah. So Now, if nobody caught on what we're talking <laughs> about, we're definitely talking about gun laws now. Yes. So I am kind of on the fence about it a little bit. I have to say I am too. This I've seesawed back and forth throughout my life. Mm -hmm. um, when when I was growing up, my dad was he went hunting quite a bit. He reloaded ammo all the time, and in fact, people always freak out when I tell them this, but it is the honest truth. When I was in junior high, we lived in Colorado, and in seventh grade, hunter safety was part of our school's PE curriculum. We took the entire hunter safety course as part of our PE. They took all of us out to shoot 22s at the end. Can you imagine taking a group of seventh graders to a gun range today? I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that any school would get away with that, but we did it. I honestly, I, I didn't write it down today, but that was one of the things I was talking about is I think along with sex ed, I think a gun safety, a hunter safety, anything like that should maybe not be <laughs> part of the seventh grade PE curriculum. Maybe not seventh grade. Maybe we should go at least into high school, but it may not need to like start as required. It should be an elective. I think that... One of the first things with any sort of guns is understanding the gun. Right. And for people, it because to me, it's scary to think of these people who, you just turned 21, I'm going to go buy a gun. They have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They have had no sort of training. They've been, they have, they just have no idea. And I mean, I've been around guns basically my whole life. My dad was in the military. My that my parents have a lot of guns, but they are very big gun people. Right. Well, and we live in an open carry state. I mean, Idaho mm. has always been open carry. And, you know, like I said, when I was little, little, we lived in Salmon, Idaho, and people would walk up and down the street, you know, with a pistol in a holster, you know. Yeah. And it wasn't unusual. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I think that, I think people may have at least a little bit of a different opinion if they were more educated in guns themselves. I think that we would have a lot less, quote-unquote, accidents of people getting a hold of guns and misfires and stuff like that that 
Because you've got people who know nothing about guns. They pick up a gun, think they're being funny. They accidentally point it at somebody. And then they pull the trigger because they don't know not to have their finger on the trigger. And all of these things could not happen if there were some sort of education put in place right. there. And I think that would be, I don't ever, I don't see that happening at all in the near future at, at all because of how controversial guns are right now. Right. It would, I don't see it even ever happening. I mean, if it does happen, like good for the, good yeah. for the United States. And but. I, and I have to say, I do believe that there should be gun free zones, which is very controversial. I understand. Um, but you know, so there was a lot of talk after the Parkland shooting that, you know, about arming teachers, which in my opinion is a terrible idea you know and I've already covered two murderous teachers in previous episodes do you know what I mean so yeah. I know that we like to think that you know for the most part I think most people who are teachers are good decent people but there's some who are not and I don't like I said it, it's just too problematical and there is something about that needs to be understood too about the incredible responsibility you're asking someone to take on by carrying a weapon. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So like, you know, when we ask our police officers to do that, when we ask, you know, members of the armed forces to do that, that's a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that also goes into play with why any time an officer shoots their gun, they are automatically put on a, pro, a administrative paid, leave yeah because so it can be checked out to make sure that they acted appropriately yes because we do, do i mean there are a lot of our police officers most of our police officers in the world are good people who want to help people but we do have some bad people out there and they choose the bad people choose the professions that get them where they want to be mm -hmm. and unfortunately there are some cops who do want to do harm and they want to do bad things and being a police officer gives them the perfect opportunity. They get a loaded gun. They get the authority to do these bad things. Right. And unfortunately, there's just no way around the bad people. Well, and we need to talk too about the incredible militarization that has happened in our police force as well and the ways that laws and what police are allowed to do has changed and the amount of responsibility that we are handing over, which is also very problematical and troubling to me. Um, you know, and one of the things that has been brought up, for instance, is I do think there should be limits on gun ownership. And one of the, and again, you guys can fire at me. That's okay. I'll take it. Um, but nearly every mass shooter in this country also has had domestic violence issues. I'm not going to say it's 100%, but it is, it's way up there. And so there's been talk about if you have a domestic violence conviction, you shouldn't be allowed to have a weapon. And I really believe that. I agree. 40% of people who are police officers in this country have domestic violence convictions. See, that's bonkers. So that I, I do know that... While I believe they are still able to obtain a gun, mm -hmm. I know people with a restraining order currently on them because of harassment or stalking or threats, they have extra hoops to jump through and they will have 
like more restrictions on being able to purchase a firearm. Same thing with I'm in some places. And this is the other thing because law enforcement in the United States, as we've talked about, is so incredibly splintered. And, you know, so we've talked about how during the 80s, when they finally were like, hey, maybe we should share information, you know, and have these databases that, and of course, computers made that easier yeah. as well. But even prior to that, just the idea that, hey, we'll share this information. We'll, you know, warehouse it in common places where everyone has access to it was, you know, was such a revelation. And, you know, again, that's something else we have in the United States where we have, you know, federal entities, but then we really like local control of things. And that has both good and bad parts to it. And that's something else that we're going to have to discuss around some of these issues that, you know, like we said, with the legalization of marijuana, you know, you have states that are legally in violation of the federal law. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do about that? How are we going to, to mend this? Um, and the same thing with gun laws, you know, yeah. one, every state has, different laws different laws now i did so there are a couple of federal laws that states can move around a little bit so to be able to own a gun you have to be at least 18 for shotguns rifles and ammo and 21 for all other firearms now that is a federal law okay now states can move that age up. But so they can't move it down. They cannot lower it because it is a federal law. So, like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of things I learned. So, not only with the people who have a restraining order are going to have a harder time obtaining a firearm, also dishonorably discharged members of the military have extra hoops to jump through when trying to obtain a firearm. I did not know that. I did not know that either. I also learned that anyone who was found guilty of possession or use of a controlled substance cannot own a firearm for the first year. Okay. So if, let's say today, I got charged guilty with a possession of marijuana, because we're in Idaho and that's illegal. So I get charged with this possession. I cannot own a firearm until this day next year. Wow. So do they, I mean, how do they enforce that though? I mean, do they come in and just, I mean, can you just like give them to somebody for safekeeping for See, a year? I don't know how it works if you were already a don't, gun, gun owner. owner. I don't know. I didn't go into detail about that, but I know as much as buying a new one, you cannot do that. And you have to get background checks when you, every time you buy a firearm anyway. And I mean, there are a couple of loopholes with like gun shows and stuff like that and private, pri private, private party sales. sales. But now this is what I did want to tell. I, <laughs> I waited until we were on here oh to boy. tell you about it because I don't know how you're going to feel about it. I have, when I first read this thing, I was really shocked and then I had some thoughts so in 2016, there was a Texas law that passed that allows concealed carry on college campuses. Well, we have that in Idaho. Do we? Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely has that I didn't, too. I didn't go to college, mm-hmm. so here we are. <laughs> well, it just no, completely passed in Idaho as well. Okay. is is the thing, and so I'm pretty sure we do. I remember when it was in front of the legislature, and I swear it passed. So, How do you feel about that? Oh, I have a lot of mixed. I, again, I, you know, I told you earlier, I believe in gun-free zones. I really feel a college campus should be. Because you have kids getting wasted, how are you going to make sure that they're properly stored? You know what I mean? Like, it just, and I have to say, and I know the people who are for this are going to say to me, hey, we haven't had a single shooting in the state of Idaho since that passed. And they're right. I mean, you know, there's been no college kid killed on campus. I just, I don't know. So, I, I like this. Okay. And I will tell you why I like this. Now, I have seen so many statistics, not only for colleges, I actually haven't read any about college campuses, but just in general about how there have been studies and polls done, especially in prisons. Okay, so sorry, I'm going to interrupt for just a second. So the Idaho's guns on campus debate, let me see. So we, we actually did this before Texas, believe it or not. Oh. Yes, uh, we go back to 2014. Okay. So, sorry, keep going. No, you're good. It took effect July 1st, 2014. Oh, wow. So, there have been studies done, a lot of them done in prisons, with the prisoners who have said that if they knew that someone was a gun owner, or Mm -hmm. if they thought that someone was a gun, gun owner, it instantly deterred them from robbing them or doing any sort of ill harm towards them. Now, that makes me go into, in my thought process, it then takes me onto the college campuses that are now allowing... Okay, so here's Idaho's law. Okay. Um, Governor Butch Otter signed this. It's SB 1254, effective July 1st, 2014. Individuals who possess an enhanced carry permit may carry weapons on Idaho's eight public colleges and universities. Concealed and openly carried firearms are prohibited in dorms and buildings and functions housing more than a thousand individuals. To obtain an enhanced carry permit, an individual must complete one of six sanctioned training courses and live fire of at least 98 rounds. So it, it, it there's more restraint to this than I realized so so with knowing that there are so like knowing that it has and will deter people from doing whatever they plan on doing then when you think about college campuses and especially a lot of things now where we're talking about rape culture and stuff like that I as a woman would feel so much safer being able to walk around a college campus with a handgun. Because then, who's going to fuck with you now? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> I didn't even... <laughs> Pun unintended. <laughs> that, you know, and that's a fair point. Um, there's also, just to play devil's advocate here... The, you know, um, there are a lot of statistics about people who do have guns that they can be overpowered, the guns taken from them and then used against them. That's also something to consider, you know, and, and that it's difficult 
to fire a firearm yeah. at another person. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Not just, you know, in an institution like that, but when I'm thinking again, so when we talk about school shootings, for instance, you know, just to go back to that, where you have a crowd, you have panic. And I remember there was a shooting on a campus in Oregon a couple of years ago where there were a lot of people who had, who were carrying firearms, but you can't just start shooting willy nilly. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? When, yeah, you can, you might even like have the gunman in your line of sight, but how many other people are there around you? How certain can you be you're going to hit this person and not somebody else standing nearby? There's a lot more to this than we talk about. And it, I mean, just think of, I was thinking of, you know, men in black when they're doing the training where, you know, the, the things pop up and yeah. whom do you shoot and, and who don't you shoot? That is, you know, in a moment of panic, people screaming, you know, I don't want that responsibility. I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah, and I think another, I think that also goes along with the education and training in guns mm -hmm. is I, under no circumstance, think that just going out buying a gun and being like, I'm good, I got a gun, I can do whatever I want. I don't advise that at all. I definitely am more thoughtful of how things are used and being trained in it and stuff because like I'm a gun owner and I got a gun for Christmas but like I've never shot it yeah and and, it's, and you can't just like drive out to the desert you know and plink cans and shoot whistle pigs <laughs> you you there's a lot that goes into this yeah. and it's like I said it's it's stressful and I don't know that people often think about the logistics of all of that and all of the different variables that can be happening all at once. Now, I said when we first started talking about this topic is I'm kind of back and forth a little bit. And I know that as I've been talking about it, it doesn't seem like I'm back. <laughs> and it's like I'm like very pro-gun over here. But I think that I am very pro-gun. I am. I think that they are great things for hunting, which I mean, I'm not a trophy. I didn't, I've been hunting once in my life and I didn't <laughs> kill anything. But... I'm very much for hunting for food and people can do whatever they want. I'm not for trophy hunting at all, but I'm very much, I'm very pro gun, but I'm also like pro education and training with the guns. I think that we do have a large problem with shootings, especially school shootings and mass shootings and stuff like that. We do have a large problem with that, but I am very much 110% a believer that Guns don't kill people. People with guns kill people. So the guns are not our problem. The people and the bad people with ill intent that own these guns are our problem. And you know, and I, I, I see the validity of that argument. Like I said, I'm much more torn than you are on this. And like, for instance, you know, London, for instance, guns are outlawed. People can't own guns. And they have an incredible number of stabbings every year and people who are killed with knives. And so are you going to outlaw, you know, there's always, are you going to outlaw knives? Um, like I said, I, uh, given my very kind of, you know, let adults do what adults do sort of stuff that I talked about earlier. It just seems like when there's a mess up with a gun, it's such a big one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I think what haunts me the most was um, the shooting in Connecticut with the little kids. Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook. And I can't 
moved past that. And he legally owned guns. Do you know what I mean? And so that's where I fall into. We'll just ban them all. I, and I know bad guys will still have guns. I get that. I don't know. I, I'm torn. I just have to say I'm torn. Sorry. I, yeah. I, I do. I, I read a lot on both sides of the issues. You know, my emotional side, and I know it's not logical, says, you know, if you just ban them all, you don't ever have to deal with that again. You know, Australia is the very popular one where Australia had a very strong gun culture and they had a horrific mass shooting and they immediately banned all guns. Well, guns and they in Australia had... are not banned. Extremely, extremely right. hard to get them. Right. But like much people... harder than it used to be. Yeah. People can own yes. guns and they do. Right. But there but has it... and there hasn't been a mass shooting since. It's just a lot And harder. so there's there's me I I just feel like I, I'm not going to say I'm for an outright ban. I definitely feel like there need to be much stronger limits placed. And I understand that all the Second Amendment people out there get into, oh, it's a slippery slope, and I don't know. I, I think that... I struggle. I have a hard time with it because of we, as Americans, we, as a country, are very much the land of the free. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially with something that has been a constitutional right for as long as the country has been the country. Well, I mean, it's there. It's, you know, it's one of the first 10 amendments. Yeah. So that tells you how important it is. Yeah. It's right behind free speech. And I understand that. And I value that. And I don't want to sound like I'm not respectful of that. This is why I said, I, I am deeply, deeply torn and conflicted on this issue. Yeah. So I just think it's hard to even think about banning guns right when even if it wasn't a second amendment thing mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that we have banned marijuana well again yeah We're, that's what i just said like i know how stupid that sounds given what i've said yeah. on, on our previous two topics and so uh, you know and that's why honestly i i'll say that i don't i don't in my heart of hearts i don't think I truly believe it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just get very emotional and crazy about it. But I am a huge proponent of making it more difficult. I don't think anyone should, just anyone can walk off the street into a Walmart, you know, and, and buy a gun. And I understand there's some of these background checks. But for instance, like we said, you know, look at the number of domestic violence cases where they go get a gun and then they shoot their partners. Yeah. I'm sorry, that is a huge issue. And I, I do feel like we need to put some things in place. I think that we need... And I don't think you should not be banned from owning a gun because you spent five years in prison for marijuana. No, 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 no. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, in, for misdemeanors, it's only two years after your charge or whatever that you have to wait two years before you're allowed to... Buy a firearm. Felons, I think it's a, I think it's just a general thing. If you're a felon, you're not allowed to buy a firearm. Um, I think it depends on the crime, doesn't it? Or I don't know. And maybe, and again, I think different states have different, yeah. just like, you know, some states allow felons to get their voting rights back. Some don't. So anyway, it's, this is a tough one for me. I feel like I the get gun, very emotional. I feel like if anybody's going to come after me on our discussion group for any of it, it's going to be the gun laws. Fight me because, I mean, I'll listen to you. You can you can give me your opinion all you want. I'm not going to be rude about it, but, I mean, you know mine. Oh, I'm sorry. We have our guest dog, Halo, with us again, and she is attacking Kaylin. I so. love every minute yes, of it, though, yeah, so it's totally is, cool. She is a menace of love, but... 
Yeah, like I said, and, and that's the one thing. Like I said, I don't let my kids write research papers about this because I, there's so much emotion mm-hmm. tied into this. And a lot of it, I think, is because it is such a strong cultural issue. Like I said, I have a very you know, strong cultural background. Um, I like to shoot guns. I'm not going to lie. I love to like plink cans and shoot targets. I've never, I can't hunt. I'm too much of a weenie for that. <laughs> but um, too much of an animal lover. But, you know, of course, my family were starving. I'm sure I would change my tune pretty quickly. I'm sure um, So, you know, like I said, I get it. I do. I do understand the many, many issues. When I think very logically and I put on my Mr. Spock ears, you know, um, but then when I think of Sandy Hook and things like that, I, I just get my emotions take over. Yeah, I think that... I do agree with more more restrictions, especially when it comes to domestic abuse issues. Yes, and so that I do, one that one I'm very definite. Yes, on. I, I definitely agree with that. But I don't know. I think that education is a big part of it, and I feel like not enough people are educated in the guns. And I think that if you decide to buy a gun, gun safety should be a thing. Well, and again. Education has been a key factor in all three of the things that we've discussed today yes. as well. Um, that, you know, we just need better education. We need fact-based education, not emotional-based, as I am falling into here. And But this has been a long one. You has. guys are going to have a long, a long week. And our dogs are fighting in the background. They, they're not nearly as civil as Kaylin and I. They're just no. fighting it out. So... But if you want to talk about any of this with us, please do. Please, discussion talk. page is fun. Talk to us. Talk to your friends. Yeah. You know, these are issues that we <laughs> Americans really need to discuss. So, and we are having injuries here. But anyway, thank you. Yeah, we're. I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but. I am going to leave most of this unedited. There's, okay. We did have a little mishap earlier with the dogs <laughs> that I'm going to edit out, so you won't hear that. But I think that with things like this, discussions like this, I think it is better to have them unfiltered and raw so that the I think everyone's point can get across. So then it's less of like pieced up ideas put together I think it being unfiltered and just put out there I think is the best way for discussions like this of it all so I like that idea there, yeah, so I'll, I'll try to I'll try to get some of that out there maybe too <laughs> but like the discussion's all gonna be on there oh, alright thanks for listening talk to us on our discussion group big time we yes. really want to hear you on our discussion group feel free we do have twitter regular Facebook page, email us at stateofcrimepodcasts at gmail.com. And as always, and we have an Instagram. Yes. Also Instagram. Thanks for listening.